All right, if everybody would find their way to their seat. We'll get rolling this morning. Blake and I were talking this morning, Blake Johnson, and uh, just mentioned what a what a rich blessing this this study of uh, of God and the, the lordship of our God, and uh, what a what a rich blessing that it's it's been for me, and I trust that it is for you too. Um, just to get us started this morning and get a perspective on where we are and kind of where we're headed. I don't know if you can see what's in the red very well up there, but today we're on uh, an overview of God's attributes. And over the next several Sundays, uh, we'll be digging further into the attributes of God, uh, His goodness, righteousness and wrath, knowledge, power, and uh, uh, Lord of time. And then it moves on into Lord of space, matter. You can see where we're headed on into, into February. Now, don't write these dates down because they change occasionally. And so they, they change so often I can't keep up with exactly where we are. But I did get a note this week from Marty that said I'm teaching. So I'm figuring I'm at the right, at the right spot. So, all right, let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. Oh, Lord, we come to you this morning and, and uh, just give you our thanksgiving for this uh, time you've given us, Lord, the time to uh, gather with your church, to fellowship with one another, to uh, study your word, and in, in this moment, the uh, opportunity just to try to take another glimpse of you and who you are, and uh, Lord, we pray that you will indeed increase our knowledge of you. May, may we know you more and more and better and better. Uh, through what we uh, do here this morning. Thank you again for your word. We thank you for the spirit that works within us. Um, We ask for uh, clarity and understanding. We thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The last uh, couple of sessions that we've had, um, you'll recall that Blake a few weeks ago went over the, the session on the names of God, and very, very instructive about just, just looking at God's names. And uh, then Ken last week uh, uh, did an, another excellent job of talking about the, the images of, of God that, that the Scripture gives us, and this beautiful, beautiful way of looking at God and understanding Him in, in a different way. I think of our care group went through the little book on Psalm 23, and it was the image of the shepherd over and over again. It was the image of the shepherd, but what a beautiful image of our Savior uh, that we have. Uh, today we're going to move into a, a different uh, view in the divine perspectives. Uh, uh, this is this is just another way we look we look at God and understand Him by His names and by His images, and then now looking at it uh, by understanding. Uh, his attributes. An attribute is a is a concept that's used to describe a, describe a person. So, it's, you know, like me, long curly hair. Oh, that, I guess that wouldn't fit. Um, 
Somebody it might, but uh, not me. But anyway, people have attributes, and we often describe them. Yeah, I met that guy. He's he's tall. Uh, he's tall and dark, whatever. We we describe some attributes about them. As we know them better, we understand their personality and that sort of thing, and we can uh, describe them using those attributes. Well, well, the Bible specifically mentions several of God's attributes. Specifically spells it out. So some of those. Uh, would be like like his righteousness, his love, um, holiness, and grace, and knowledge, and truth, eternity, and, and there are more. But they're specifically spelled out in Scripture, and we speak of them as God's attributes. Um, there are also attributes that are that aren't specifically mentioned in Scripture, but we've come up with them through a study, a systematic study of Scripture, and we assign those attributes to God. So not specifically mentioned in Scripture, his uh, examples would be his aseity, uh, his immensity, uh, his personality. So there, there are a lot of attributes, and we're going to try to look at a whole bunch of them today. And again, later on in other studies, we're going to get a little deeper into these attributes. But today we're trying to get an overview of some of these. So it, it's good for us uh, to consider our triune God in this way, uh, much like with the names and images. It's good for us to look at it uh, this way. Whoop. The simplicity and complexity of God. If you remember, we've talked about this before, the simplicity of God. Uh, Blake brought it up a couple of weeks ago. Um, what, what does that mean? What's the simplicity of God? Uh, somebody other than Blake. What's the simplicity of God mean? Right. He's one God, and He's one being. Okay? Now, we speak of the triune God, but He's he's simple in the sense He's one. So He's not a sum of parts. If we talk about these, these images or names or now attributes, He's not a sum of all those parts, and He's not sliced up into little pieces. He's one being, and these are ways uh, we describe him. Now, God is obviously complex. He's, he's complex in the sense that we can't fully understand him. But uh, So he's both simple in that way, uh, that he's one, and he's complex in that he's very, very hard to, to get a full grasp of. Um, let me quote from Frame. We, we tend to do that. Um, Essential attributes of God should not be considered parts of Him, but rather are perspectives on His whole being, that is, His essence. In that sense, God is simple. He is also complex, but each attribute describes God's entire complexity, not just part of it. The point is, God is a person, not a collection of abstract qualities. Um, However, our consideration of a collection of attributes uh, gives us some insight, and, and through a varying vantage point, we can get a better picture, a better understanding of God. A couple of weeks ago, three or so weeks ago, Susie and I had the privilege of going to Niagara Falls. How many have been to Niagara Falls? Well, a third or so. Awesome sight. Awesome experience. I think everybody would say that. What got me as I was there, and this is true of many things, there's not a way to capture that in a picture. 
when you go to Niagara Falls, they take you out on one of these boats, and you go right up into that. Now, not clear under the fog, but you go into that fog, and mist is going everywhere, and there's a, a roar. You get, you get wet, you hear it, you see it, and when you see it, it changes as you move over. The perspective changes if you're up on top looking down on it. But it's still the same falls. You, you can't experience it all with just your eyes from one angle. It's got to be looked at from many angles, felt, and heard. And then you can say, I got part of it anyway. That's what we're doing here. We're looking at Niagara Falls, and we're trying to understand much bigger than Niagara Falls, and much more awesome, we're trying to understand God in this way. So God's attributes, and I know it's going to be a shock to you, we're going to talk about His Lordship. And and, uh, it wouldn't be right to be in this book and not talk about uh, the Lordship. Um, God's Lordship is grounded in his eternal nature and therefore in his attributes. Now, Frame makes the case in the book that lordship is not another attribute. Rather, he says, rather he has a nature that entitles his lordship. So all these attributes and who he is entitles him uh, to be lord. We should think about God's attributes as servants. Remember the uh, covenant relationship that we have with God, and we're a servant within uh, that relationship with Him, and so we consider Him as servants before, before Him. The attributes describe God's lordship uh, from a variety of perspectives. So we should expect as we study uh, the attributes that we will manifest, um, they will manifest God's lordship in various ways, including, and you knew you wouldn't get away with a lesson without seeing this, including the lordship uh, triad or triangle, if you will, his, his authority and his control and his presence. So... We'll see as Frame develops this and trying to develop a picture for us to see God's attributes. We'll, we'll see what he's, what he's up to. But I'll quote him, tell you where we're headed. Frame says, I shall try to show that each attribute, one, displays God's sovereign control over time, over some aspect of creation. Two, presents God's authoritative standard for some aspect of creation. And three, shows a quality of God's own character so that the attribute is present in God's own nature and characterizes His presence in the world. So we're going to be looking at these attributes and we're coming back and you'll see how He's going to come back to the uh, Lordship attributes. So we're, we're going to try to understand these from a perspective. And so we have to start with, does God have a fundamental attribute that's more fundamental than any other attribute. What would you think? Sorry? His being? His being. Yeah, well, okay. Yep. 
Holiness. Yeah. Okay. Any others? God is love. Okay. So you see, when we try to, when we do that, I think you could take any of those three answers and argue, yep, that one's it. That one's it. It's his being. It's his love. And John says, God is love. John also says, God is light. And in him no, is no darkness at all. Remember that one? So Frame makes the case that there, there isn't a fundamental attribute. No, no fundamental attribute. Now, We'll loop back to it, and I think he really does at the, in the end. But he, he, he makes a case there's not such a thing. But we need to remember as we're, as we're looking at this, uh, let's see, where am I? Uh, okay. So we, we asked the question, is God love? And uh, that, that could be. We could argue, and we'll, we'll loop back to that. And, of course, Frame is tempted in his own right to say lordship. But then he says, Lordship's not an attribute, so he can't really go there. But he is tempted to say, Lordship is, is the attribute. But that's not, uh, not, not what he uh, ends up doing. So, you may remember this word from last week. Ken used it, perspectival. He yields to his other temptation to make the view of attributes perspectival. So it's a different perspective. You look at them from a different perspective and, and in, in a different way. Uh, so so uh, to quote him, he says, so instead of yielding to the temptation to make lordship fundamental, I'll, I'll yield to my other temptation, namely to make all the attributes perspectival. So they're perspective to each other. Again, frame, if all the attributes describe um, God's simple essence from various perspectives, then any of them can be taken as fundamental in a given context. All of them, after all, involve all the others. So his argument, whether you agree with him or not, there's not a fundamental attribute, but they're also not all of equal importance. And we're going to go through an exercise here looking at different ways of classifying God's attributes. Now, why bother with classifying his attributes? Why, why don't we just list them all and take it that way? Does it help you any? Well, maybe we shouldn't, and we could save a lot of time here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. So classifying the attributes that way? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that one. That, that could be done that way. Back to why would we do this? It, it, to me, it's sort of like what systematic theology is. We're, we're having to break this thing down and, and to get, a, get an understanding. We, we can't wrap our heads around the whole thing all at once, so we break it down into doctrines and, and systematically uh, look at the Scriptures, and, and that helps us understand. That's much like what we're trying to do here, and it's not, this isn't that complex. Uh, but... What Frame is driving at here is we're going to break these down into categories, and actually by breaking it down into categories, it helps us see the big picture, not just the little picture. So we're going to try it, so bear with me here. Um, So uh, Scripture uh, doesn't make a list. 
Uh, you, could, you could go through all the scripture and make a list. And people have tried different schemes to do it. So one way that Frame says is a, a typical way or uh, used very often is to, to divide out the attributes, list all the attributes, and say this, this applies to God's transcendence or this to, applies to God's eminence. Um, and, and then you just categorize them like that and, and look at them. Now, you may recall that Frame's not, from previous lessons, that Frame's not a big fan of the transcendence model. And uh, he, uh, we've discussed that in previous lessons, and he, he basically uh, spends a good deal of time on that. But in, in a very short statement, he thinks that the idea of transcendence tends to place God outside of everything too far away. It takes away from his idea of being present. So he, if I remember the stuff right, he, he says you can talk about God's transcendence, but it's never outside of everything. It's, it's over but in. And so he leans away from just talking about uh, considering things in terms of transcendence because he thinks there's a fundamental error in doing that. So that's not the way he chose to do it. Now, you've probably done this one before. Communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Now, see if your experience is like mine. When you looked at that, what were you studying at the time? Were you studying about man or about God? My, and I I forget, I forget what I ate for breakfast, but most of the time I think going back... I think that when that came up and we did some classification, it, we were studying what's man like and where do we get that, you know, and how is how is a human different from animals and plants and all the things that we get communicated to us to from God. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. I just think the context of that was was that we were we were studying man, but you can. Take God's attributes and look at them. Make make your list and say, okay, well that one's communicable. This one's incommunicable. Um, so it's 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 doable uh, to do that. Um, he he says, Frame says that it it has its shortcomings because you remember if you do that study, you get into those that say, well, is that one or is it not? So there's a lot of gray, a lot of gray area in that. And so you you uh, he he gave some examples. Uh, all, all divine attributes are communicable. Our, uh, example, our otherness, which we kind of think about not being communicable, really kind of is. Uh, we're, we're other from other things, other animals and so forth. Um, so you end up with a lot of too much gray in there is what he basically uh, tells us in, in the book that we shouldn't use that method. So, um, so how are we going to do this? Uh, as I said, his first his first inclination is always seems to be to go to the lordship attributes of control, authority, and power. Oh, and so you could you could do that, but there's there's difficulty there. You you take an act, give an attribute, and it ha- you have a hard time putting it in. So, guess what? The way to do this is make it even more complex, so that you can actually see it. And I think you'll see it is more complex, his, his methodology, but it makes some sense, and, it, and I hope that it helps us understand God better.
So in, in doing uh, what we're going to do is he's going to use the categories of goodness, knowledge, and power. Uh, so he's going to use goodness, knowledge, and power, and then he's also going to uh, use the grid of control, authority, and presence, so the lordship attributes. So let's take an example. Take the example of truth. Frame looks at that and he says, if if he's categorizing where it would go in goodness, knowledge, and power, he would put it under the knowledge column. And I can see where you would you would get truth and knowledge connecting. So in the grand list of attributes, he says it goes into knowledge. Then he further designates that he believes that truth would fall under authority, God giving his truth to man, his truth throughout everything, all creation. He would argue that it falls within authority. So I think you can see um, what he's basically doing here is building a two-dimensional grid to look at the attributes. And I I think you could argue with it and and Frame acknowledges that uh, there's there's fuzz all over this when you get to picking a specific attribute, which bucket are you going to put it in? Uh, Nobody's arguing that it has to be this way. So don't take it like that. We're going to look at all of them here in a second, and what we want to do actually is step back, see them, see how they're categorized, and see what image that gives us of God. We're going to give it it a shot there. So questions up to this point? Okay. Um, I want to caution this as we go forward here that... What we're looking at is an infinite God. And every one of these attributes, in every one of them, he's perfect. And if you want to add a word to that, maybe infinitely perfect. Each one, God is perfect in it. And if you think about the categories, he's perfectly good his knowledge is perfect and totally extensive his power is without limit and we've looked a lot at he has control he has authority and he's made a covenant with his people and he's present with us infinite God So we're trying to understand, we're trying to get another glimpse of that God uh, from a different perspective. Um, Have you, do you recall looking into a kaleidoscope? Has it been a while? You can actually Google it now and they just show you a picture. a uh, little video of the kaleidoscope. You remember you look into it, and then when well, I remember, you turn it a little bit, and the, the perspectives, the shapes change, the colors change, and all you're changing is the angle of light in that 
device and it all changes before your eyes. Is it the same device? Same deal. Different light, different perspective. Essentially, that's what we're doing over the last couple of weeks, looking at names, looking at images. Now we're looking at attributes. We're just changing a little bit and trying to understand uh, God from that perspective. So um, we're going to go to this chart, and we're going to go through these one grouping at a time. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one of them or go through and define them or anything like that. What I'm really driving at is that we all look at these and think of God and think of Him, and it's going to add up as we go through this, go through this chart. And I, I don't know, as you deeply think about these, as, as, as we deep, deeply think about these, I think you're going to look at some of these attributes and you're going to get a case of allergies. The, the eyes are going to water when you really think deeply about things like, example, His mercy. And um, so I'm going to go through these, and I'm going to show you how he, how he divided them. We can talk about them. And if you need definition on some of them, we can throw that out there, and Rob can give it. No, I'll try to give you a definition of them. Uh, I don't, there's not very many in here that I think need a lot of defining. But let's look at it that way. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to read them, but the only reason I'm reading them aloud is for the audio. I would prefer just to put these up here and give us a few seconds to quietly, each of us, think about these attributes. So we start with, in the, in the category of goodness, and the ones that uh, frame says it's more associated with his lordship attribute of control. His goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his patience, his compassion, his jealousy, and his wrath. So just take a few seconds and Think on one or all of those things related to God's goodness. How many in here feel deserving of any of those attributes of God? No hands went up. We move on, still sticking with the lordship attribute of control. Under the knowledge column, frame puts these. His speech and his incomprehensibility. Think on God's words, his speech, and think on how he is beyond us, incomprehensible. Brings feelings of humility, doesn't it? Still staying in the lordship attribute of control and moving to power. God's eternity. His his immensity. Incorporeality. His will. 
his power, and his very existence. Maybe some definition. Immensity is the idea that God is everywhere right there. He's immensely throughout everything. He's present. Anybody have, want to add to that? You always have to watch my definitions. They get a little short. Okay, great question. Incorporeality. First of all, I can't say it. Um, it means that he's without a body. He's spirit. But as we think of those things, you know, usually we think, at least me, think in terms of power, it's always omnipotent. Well, God's omnipotent. He is, and he's got it listed here. His, his power is under the column of power. There's a bit more to it than that, I think. Think on that little group. I don't know where you go, but I get real small. Get real small. Okay, I'm going to pause right there under this control. We still have quite a few more to go, but you can see the lists aren't quite as long. So we'll go through them. Questions, thoughts about this grouping? Rob? I think there is why he has some... I, th- I took it um, that his argument is that all of these things added up are, are who God is, and he, just is, he deserves lordship from that. It's not an attribute. He, he argues, and I, I, probably others would argue that that's not true, that lordship is an attribute, but it's just something that... Deserve. So in that way, I think it could be listed as an attribute, but he, he chooses not to make lordship a separate attribute. Like I would say, his love um, existed uh, before creation. Yes. There was nothing to dis- display it to before creation. Right. Which would which would get to another one there that's on the list of jealousy. He he wasn't jealous, you know, in the sense of acting out on jealousy before, but his jealousy after creation would cause wrath because of breaking commandments and so forth. Does that all go together for you, Roxanne? Just just Rock. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because that's what we always use. I don't know. He didn't say that, but I think, he's, I think he intentionally made a column of power to help us think about this. So, I mean, for, for me, if you think about, about things, I can think about six things, and then I can put dots in it, but I can't think about 20 things. But you notice he puts power under power, which would be you could write out the word omnipotent under there and say that it's saying the same thing, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. It, you, and it would go right along with what we've talked about before. The, the images and names that he used and gave himself point to his lordship. We're saying his attributes point to his lordship. So I think he's following the same theme. Is that my saying similar thing? Yeah. Anybody else? Dick? Did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, specifically through Jesus, he, he can. But, but he's not, in essence... Uh, a body. He's 
spirit. Okay. Anybody else? All right, we're going to move on to authority. Under goodness, he lists his justice and his righteousness. You know, we have a hard time wrapping our head around justice when we know our guilt. And the scriptures do that for us, but how can God do that for, for us? He is just. He was willing to give his own son to pay the penalty. Perfectly righteous. Staying with authority under the column of knowledge. He had truth, which we went over before. Under power, his society, his simplicity, which we talked about earlier, and his essence. We think of God as he's self-referencing. You try to reference anything there is, it references to God. He is the Holy One. Moving on to his presence, he lists attributes of joy. Under the goodness column is attributes of joy, blessedness, beauty, perfection, and holiness. You see, as we're looking at these, it's getting to be quite a list, isn't it? So I hope this is making sense why we're trying to look at it as a, as a grid like this and get a feel for God or a better understanding because... Digging into any one of these is an infinite pursuit. Well, absolutely. And he argues that in the book. You could, you could, you can move him around. He's just doing his best, and 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 you could. There, there's, there, he's absolutely right. But you know, you have to. If if you're going to get a grasp of the big picture of who God is, you you have to start somewhere. So that, that's the argument. He, I think, essentially, in my view. His argument was transcendence and eminence is too simple. It's too simple. It doesn't help you. Uh, uh, Incommunicable and communicable, again, it's, it's too simple. It has to be a little more complex to help us understand it. This is his methodology. He, nobody's saying this is the only way to look at him. I think it helped me a lot looking at more or less the big picture, the Niagara Falls. Oh, oh, well, there's a piece, there's a piece. I get, I'm getting this. God is really all of these things. Moving on to under knowledge, he lists knowledge uh, in, in his presence. Um, I thought that was an interesting place to put it. But anyway, knowledge, wisdom, his mind, and, and knowability. God is knowable. Not fully knowable, but knowable. He gives us enough. And finally, under the power column, again, the presence, lordship, presence, spirituality, omnipresence, and his glory. When I got to that one, I thought, his glory. That's really what we're trying to get an understanding of here. Let us see your glory, and we see 
all of these things. And we're just seeing tiny little slices. And we change the kaleidoscope a little bit. We're seeing other little slices. There's no end to this. The rest of our lives, eternal lives, will be understanding more about an infinite God. Okay. Dick. Oh, uh, a seity is uh, God's independence or self-existence. Anybody? Any comments? You know, I don't know. He didn't go through these and book and, and list them out, so I, I don't know what uh, exactly what he meant. But that I I took it to mean uh, much like his incorporate incorporeality. He's he's not a body; he's a spirit. But that may not be it. Holy Spirit? Yeah, the functioning aspect of that could be. Because that is part of his presence to us. Mm-hmm. That's what that presence is talking about mm-hmm. in our Yeah. That would make sense. Now I say he didn't go into it. He may later in the book. I hadn't read the whole thing, so I I read a few chapters out, but it could be covered later but uh Many of these we are going to cover. Next, next week we're going to dwell in that column of goodness and, uh, and flesh these out some more. And then following weeks we'll be moving on to knowledge and power. Dennis? Our own experience too. Mm-hmm. All right, pull out your Bibles, turn, turn to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, we're going we're gonna to read the whole thing, it's not all that long, but as we go through this, watch for these attributes jumping off the page at you. After we, after we looked at them in this chart uh, like this, you're going to see them come alive. Okay, we ready? Psalm 103. It's of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do you see any attributes in there? It's full of them, <laughs> full of them, of our almighty God. Okay, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at attributes. Uh, uh, we're going to start with goodness and uh, take that on next week. Next week's a super long chapter. Um, we'll try to, try to get through it as best we can. Frame says that most uh, systematic theologians start out theologians start out with power, uh, so he's going to do it different. I think sometimes he just does it different just because he's going to be different. But anyway, uh, we're going to start with, with goodness. Um, I must say that he makes the argument that there's no fundamental attribute. But at the end, he says, love is the bedrock. And I don't know. That, that's that's almost like admitting, yeah, love's really the fundamental attribute, and all the other. But he chose to to use that love is the bedrock. So he he looks at these attributes, and I think where we're headed next week and the weeks beyond, love's underneath it all. It is the bedrock. It's the foundation for all of God's attributes. So if he chooses not to call it fundamental. You do with it as you wish, but you you can't leave out. God's love through all his attributes. And now we get to the slide you've been looking for, the end. So any, any comment? We have time. There's uh, any comments, questions uh, that you might have? Rob? That's a good comment. That's, that's right. Yeah, the word, when you... First, if you're not familiar with this stuff, which I'm usually not, you hear the word simple and you think somebody's calling God simple, that is not even close. It's a, that's a great, great definition there. Bonnie? Right. Yeah, and there, there's disobedience that causes the wrath too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find he, he's very jealous about his name. Yeah. Very. Yeah, Roxanne? Along 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even in Ezekiel, he comes back and shows his love. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> All right, Ken. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I wouldn't argue with that. Anybody want to argue with him? <laughs> uh, oh, Lydia's coming after you. Uh. Yep, everlasting or steadfast love. Yep. Full of it, yep. I was overwhelmed when I was going through this and I went to Psalm 103. I just, I was just kind of dinking around in the Psalms and I thought, kind of looking for one. It kind of says something. I hit that and I thought, oh my goodness, it's full. It didn't cover all of them, but it had a bunch of attributes of God in it. Great Psalm. Yes, sir. I am. It's a good point. Yep. Yeah, we were early in this study when we were talking about the lordship and the lordship attributes. That's the I am was just a huge, huge piece of it. That's right. Okay. Okay. I don't see any other hands. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time you've given us this morning. We ask your blessing as we go forward into worship. Uh, May we we worship you in spirit and in truth. May you open our hearts to your word. Lord, may we uh, fellowship with one another in in the way that you you have for us in your church. Uh, Lord, we're so privileged uh, that you give us your church. And... uh, We pray your blessing on our time ahead in Christ's name. Amen.